Hello everyone, welcome to Summit Church Fenton Online. I am so glad you've joined me today and I am really looking forward to sharing the Word of God with you. You know, when events take place in the world, like the war that's going on right now in the Ukraine and, you know, talk of a potential World War III or, you know, nuclear exchanges between nations and things like that, people uh, tend to think about the end times and they want to know what the Bible has to say about the end times. And, you know, it's a good thing to want to know what the Bible has to say about a subject. And so with that in mind, I want to spend this message today talking to you about signs of the end times. Now, um, Matthew, the 16th chapter, if you would turn there, the New Living Translation says this in verse 1. One day the Pharisees and Sadducees came to test Jesus, demanding that he show them a miraculous sign from heaven to prove his authority. Now, the Pharisees and the Sadducees were the religious people of that day, and they were demanding that Jesus show them a sign. And Jesus, in verse 2, replies to them, and he said, You know the saying, red sky at night means fair weather tomorrow, red sky in the morning means foul weather all day. And then he said this to them, he said, You know how to interpret the weather signs in the sky, but you don't know how to interpret the signs of the times. So in other words, you know, they, they were able to, uh, you know, much like we, we have weather forecasters on the television telling us, you know, what, what the weather's going to be like tomorrow or the next day and so forth. And, and the, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, you know, they were able to do those sorts of things, but they did not know how to interpret the signs of the times in which they were living. And, you know, had they interpreted, I'm talking about the Sadducees, the Pharisees, the people of Jesus's day, when, when he was here in his earthly ministry, had the people of that day interpreted the signs of the times correctly, they would have known that it was the time for the Messiah to come the first time, and they would have further known that Jesus was, in fact, the Messiah. But because they didn't know how to interpret the signs of the times, they they were not able. One reason, they weren't able to recognize Jesus as the Messiah. And, uh, you know, just as there were signs that uh, uh, showed forth Jesus's uh, first coming, uh, the Bible gives us signs to look for just before Jesus comes again. And that, of course, is what I want to look at today. Now, as we look at these signs that I'm going to share with you, the thing that you need to realize is this, that you could take just about any one of these signs, not all of them, certainly not all of them, but you could take any one of them and say, well, you know, that particular sign has been going on for the last 2,000 years. But here's the thing. As I share these signs with you, you need to realize that as you study the Bible, it has to do uh, with the convergence of all of these signs happening at the same time. And that's what you need to think about as I go through these today, that, that we have... <laughs> You know, all of these signs going on at the same time in the generation in which we live. And that's the, that's a key thing you need to be aware of, okay? Cause like I said, you could pick any one of these signs, just about any one of them, not all of them, and say, yeah, well, that's been going on for the last 2000 years here and there. You know, we've seen a war, a rumor of a war, that sort of thing. But as I said, the things I'm going to share with you today, you know, we, we've got all of them going on now at the same time. And so that's what you need to be aware of. But as I look in the Bible, and, I, and I'm probably not going to get every last sign here that the Bible shares, but I'm going to get get a good amount of them that will be helpful to you. But as I look at the Bible, one of the uh, biggest signs to me that shows us that we're in the last days is found in Daniel, the 12th chapter and the fourth verse. Daniel, the 12th chapter and the fourth verse uh, says this, but you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. And then the Bible says this, at the, t- at the time of the end, many shall run to and fro and knowledge shall increase. 
Now, underline that in your Bible, knowledge shall increase. Now, I mean, now you would have to be asleep at the switch to not realize that in the time in which we live, that knowledge has vastly, vastly, vastly increased. I mean, I mean, you think about uh, just, I mean, in every area, just think about in the, in the communication area. You know, back a hundred years ago, uh, how telephones operated and look at how telephones operate today. The cell phone, I mean, the cell phone will do just about everything for you, but eat your dinner for you. And I mean, there's probably some cell phones that might do that. But I mean, look at how knowledge has increased in, 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 in every area, in, in uh, medical science. And, 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 and I could go on and on and on. And uh, like even in travel, I mean, think about travel and the Bible talks about here many shall run to and fro actually that that has a connotation to to it if you really get into it look at it it, it could have to do with uh, uh, one scholar brought out one time that that has to do with with worldwide travel and think about the day in which uh, we live in uh, about the fast worldwide travel you can get in a jet and fly across the United States and, and, you know, I mean, go from East Coast to West Coast in what, what, seven or eight hours? And think about back the covered, they used to be covered wagons, you know, take them, take them, take them a long time to get from the East to the West. Now it can be done on a jet. I mean, again, you'd have to be asleep at the switch to not realize that in the time in which we live, knowledge has vastly Increased and again, uh, Daniel was told that at the time of the end, knowledge would vastly increase. Also, another sign that is one of the biggest signs in all of of the Bible uh, that that has to do with the time of of the last days is Israel again being a nation, and of course that happened in 1948. And, uh, you know, as you study the Bible, uh, so many end time prophecies could not be fulfilled. I mean, the bulk of them could not be fulfilled if Israel was not again a nation. And uh, in 1948, that happened. And uh, uh, I mean, that's a that's a big one. That is a big, big, big thing that Israel again is is a nation. And so you've got, you got, uh, knowledge has vastly increased. You've got Israel again being a nation. And then of course, turn to second Timothy, the third chapter, you have the sign of the condition of the world, the overall condition of the world. Uh, second Timothy three, verse one, the apostle Paul writes to under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, writes to Timothy and says, but know this, in the last days, in the last days, perilous times will come. And we see that, certainly. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty or proud, prideful, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And my goodness, don't we see that in the time in which we live, the condition that's going on in the world uh, shows us it's a sign that we're in the last days. And that's the condition of the world but you also have the sign of the condition that's in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, it's interesting when you look at the sign of what's going on in the church, there's, there's two things you really need to look at. One is, is that uh, there is a, a fire of the Holy Spirit going on in the church. And you see that in Acts, the second chapter, Acts, the second chapter, verse 17. Now I'm back in the New King James Version. And, and it says this, And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. 
And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out uh, of my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy. So uh, here in Acts, the second chapter, the Holy Spirit is getting across to us that in the last days, there'd be an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Now you need to realize that, that actually, the prophet Joel in the Old Testament had, he, he prophesied concerning this. And here in Acts 2, the apostle Peter is quoting from him. And, and so this fire of the Holy Spirit that's within the church actually began some 2000 years ago. You also need to remember this, that with the Lord, one day is as a thousand years, a thousand years is one day. And God reckons time different than, than we do. And so uh, as from God's view, for the last two days, to us 2,000 years, long time to us, two days in God's the way he looks at it. But in the last days, you know, you'd have the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. So, you know, from God's perspective, there's been a, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit for the last two days. For us, it's been the last 2,000 years. But be that as it may... Uh, what I'm trying to get across to you is that in the last days you would see a fire of the Holy Spirit within the church. And certainly throughout the United States and throughout the, the world, there is a, 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 a moving of the Holy Spirit, certainly, and a fire of the Holy Spirit. You can go out and find churches in the land that are, that are ablaze with the fire of the Holy Spirit and, and worship unto God and the, the, the teaching and the preaching of the word and, and, and pulpits that are aflame with the teaching of the word of God and, and, and the moving of the, the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. You can find those churches, but I have to say this. Sad to say, at least here in the United States of what I'm aware of, those are becoming uh, more and more rare, those sorts of churches. Harder and harder to find. Which brings us to the second sign as it pertains to the church, which is found in 1 Timothy, the fourth chapter, and the first verse says this, now the Spirit expressly says, now again, this is the Holy Spirit giving this to the Apostle Paul, who's giving it to the young pastor Timothy. 1 Timothy 4.1, now the Spirit, the Holy Spirit expressly says that in the latter times, some will depart from the faith. Now he's talking to church people here, believers, okay? but says that in the latter times, some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. Think about that. Not doctrine of God, but doctrines of demons. Doctrine means teaching. Think about that. Speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. So think about that. In the latter times, within the church, you're going to see... Uh, some departing from the faith and uh, giving heed to not the Holy Spirit, but deceiving spirits, demon spirits, and preaching across pulpits doctrines, uh, not of the word of God, but doctrines of demons. And sad to say, we see that in abundance here in the United States, unlike I've never seen in all my years. And I've been watching churches for a long, long time, you know, observing, just observing and looking at the spiritual landscape, particularly of the United States. And dear friends, sad to say, you see that going on uh, more now than, in a, than ever. I've been watching it over, particularly over the last 10 years, a decline in, 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 in the spirituality of, uh, of the local church. And, uh, and, and then, of course, in 2 Timothy chapter 2, Verse 1, let's read here because it just goes on with this. Notice what uh, what uh, the Apostle Paul is saying here, the Holy Spirit through him uh, here uh, to this church in Thessalonica. He says, now brethren, 2 Thessalonians 2.1, now brethren concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled, either by spirit or by word or letter, as from us, as though the day of Christ had come. So he's, he's speaking in the context of the end times here. He said, let no one deceive you by any means. 
And, and you gotta watch this in the, in the end days, you know, here's another sign, a lot of deception, deception, deception. And you know that as well as I do, there's so much deception now. I mean, there's always been lying, but it seems like we've got lying on steroids right now and deception. And really, I mean, even you look at the news, you don't even know what, what to really believe as, as the news uh, casters give the news. I mean, deception on, on, on every side, but he's talking about here. He, he says concerning verse one, the coming of the Lord Jesus and so forth. He said, don't be soon shaken in mind or troubled. And then he said, don't let anyone deceive you. Now, verse three for that day, talking about Jesus's return. He said, he said that day will not come unless the falling away comes first. Now, that falling away in the Greek language in which this was originally written is the word apostasia. And that word means to uh, defection or defection from the truth or leaving the truth. And he said right here that within uh, 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 that in the last days in the time that, that we could look for the Lord to come, that there that, that there'd be a falling away first. Okay, and then the man of sin talking about the Antichrist will be revealed, the son of perdition. So so before that, the Antichrist can even be released, before we get into the the time of the tribulation, there's going to come a falling away first. And, And what this has to do with is a defection from the truth, a leaving the truth of the word of God. And my goodness, don't we see that in uh, particularly in the land of the United States that I'm aware of, my, my, my. I mean, I've been watching this again, as I said, particularly it seems like over the last 10 years or so. And with each year, it just keeps getting worse and worse. Uh, uh, an apostasy, a, a, a leaving of the truth of the word of God. Uh, and, and it's, it's, it's just so sad. Uh, I mean, it just, it's so sad. My wife and I, we've talked about this very often times over the last decade, uh, uh, give or take, how we, we saw the spiritual landscape in our land just change and degrade and degrade. And it seems like there's just such a falling away or, or, or a defection from the truth of the word of God. And it's, it's just so, it's just so very sad, but it's a sign that we're in the last days. And then, of course, if you go to Revelation, the third chapter, the Bible just continues with this. Notice in Revelation, the third chapter, in chapters two and three of the book of Revelation, there's seven churches mentioned, local churches of that day. But many Bible scholars believe that those seven churches are also symbolic of the church age in which has been going on for the last 2000 years. And there's a teaching that says that each of those churches represent a, a, a time of the last 2000 years. And, and there's, there's a great truth in that. It's not, not the, uh, you know, c- completely, a, uh, 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 you know, it's without getting into another teaching on the, the last 2000 years in the church age and what each of those seven churches represent. Uh, but, but without doing that, there's a truth in that, that, that the last church mentioned there, is representative of the last uh, days in which we'll be on the earth before the Lord comes, and 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 there's a great truth in that teaching. Now, now it's not uh, uh, I'm not dogmatic with you know each of those seven churches has to do with a certain period of time, but there is a truth in it. And if you if you think if you you know give give uh, uh, some credence to that truth, which I think there is a great truth in it. The last church mentioned there in the book of uh, Revelation chapter 3, which is the church of the Laodiceans, it's a lukewarm church. Again, that would be what you would see in the church right before the Lord returns. And notice in Revelation 3.16, speaking to that church, the Lord says this. He says, because, this is Revelation 3.16, because you are lukewarm, and neither cold or hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Now you think about that. What, but what does he say? He says that, that there will be a lukewarmness in the church right before he returns. I mean, that's, that's what the implication would be if you give uh, credence to that each of the seven churches represents a period in church history and this being the last church mentioned. 
So then uh, uh, that would be the last church, the, 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 spiritual, the spirituality of the last church that you would see in the land before the Lord comes. And you certainly see that falling away has taken place in the churches. And uh, it's just a sign that Jesus is going to be coming soon. But he said, you're lukewarm, neither hot or cold. And then in verse 17, he says, because you say I am rich, I have become wealthy, I have need of nothing. Now you think about that. And of course, again, unless you've been asleep at the switch, if you've watched particularly a lot of the media ministries, not all of them, not all of them, but but so many of them, it's hard to turn on any quote unquote Christian channel on your, you know, on your television. And it's hard to turn that on and and not go hardly any length of time before the subject of money comes up, you know, send in your money, send in your money, 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 uh, you know, hyper prosperity. I believe in prosperity. Absolutely. I just, I just, I'm not, I'm not, a, I don't believe in the hyper prosperity where just about every, every story in the Bible, you can read it and see prosperity. And, you know, you know what I'm talking about. I mean, but you see that in, in our land right now where, you know, I am rich. I have become wealthy. I mean, you listen to so many sermons on so many Christian networks and they're talking about how to get more money, how to be rich, how to, how to, you know, get a bigger car, a bigger house, how to have all your dreams come true. You know what I'm talking about. And, uh, while there's a truth, certainly, you know, you know, we need money down here. We need it to operate. God wants us to be blessed and all of that. But I think you know what I'm talking about. And the Bible said this would be a sign right before the Lord comes back where this, there'd be this hyper prosperity, you know, where money, money, money and, uh, uh, and he's, because, you know, you say I'm rich. I have become wealthy. I have need of nothing. But then the Lord says, and you do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. Wow, those are some sobering things. What's my point here? That you see a lukewarmness in the church right before the Lord returns. And then you see a, 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 a unhealthy desire for, for money and going after money and riches and fame and, and th- this sort of thing. And so it's just a, a sign that the Lord's getting ready to come back. And then... You also see a condition, the Bible just goes on and on with this. This is a big sign. It really is with this condition, not only of churches, but ministers. And notice in 2 Timothy, the fourth chapter, I'm going to read verses 2, 3, and 4 from the Amplified Classic. Notice 2 Timothy 4, chapter 4, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 2, 3, and 4, Amplified Classic. Listen to this. He says, Paul, the Holy Spirit through Paul, tells young Timothy, the pastor, herald the word or preach the word. Herald and preach the word. Keep your sense of urgency. Stand by. Be at hand and ready. Whether the opportunity seems favorable or unfavorable, whether it is convenient or inconvenient, whether it is welcome or unwelcome, you as a preacher of the word are to show people in what way their lives are wrong. Now, 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 that's a mouthful right there. You think about that. You know, I just, I just want to say this to you. Uh, you know, wherever you're going to church, and I trust that you're going where the Lord's directed you to go, but wherever you're going to church, let me ask you a question. When is the last time the pastor came into the pulpit and, and, and took the word of God in, in a very loving way, but has t- taken the word of God, preached a message, and stepped on your toes, your spiritual toes. You know, think about that. I, I tell you what, if, if, if you're in a church and you are never getting your spiritual toes stepped on, then I have to question if that church is really called and set by God and if that pastor is really called and sent from the presence of God. Because a church that's set by God, a church that has a pastor that's, that God has set, yes, there'll be uplifting messages and there'll be, there'll be encouragement and, 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 uh, all of that. Absolutely. And there'll be, there'll be more of that by far than the stepping on the toes. But here's my point. If you're never, N-E-V-E-R, never getting your toes stepped on with the teaching of the word of God, I'm telling you, God's not in that because God will 
step on your toes and he'll chastise you at times as you need it. And sometimes he'll do that through the pastor. And if it, but, but how many churches in the land do you see on television and whatnot that there's never, I mean, there's never any toe stepping. There's never any, it's always just flowery and, and, and just, just sweet and lollipop and, and banana split one sermon right after the next. Well, what is, that's a sign that we're living in the last days. And Paul said, to Timothy that, that a minister of the gospel is supposed to at times tell, tell people in what lay, in what ways their lives are wrong. And then he says, convince them, rebu- oh, rebuking, oh my goodness, rebuking and correcting, rebuking and correcting, warning and urging and encouraging them. Wow. I mean, really, there's, there's more, there's more, Really, there's more negative things here mentioned than positive. Convincing, rebuking, correcting, warning, urging, encouraging. He only mentioned encouraging one time. <laughs> huh? You know, you listen to a lot of messages in the land and it's 100% encouragement 100% of the time. And, and it ought to be uh, encouraging and uplifting p- p- messages. But what did Paul say? There should be some convincing, some rebuking, some correcting, some warning, some urging that a minister should do. And, and if that's not there, I, that's not a church sent from the presence of God. The point is it's a sign that we're living in a, in an apostate, apostasy, apostate, a falling away of the truth. And it's right before our eyes and you'd have to be asleep at the switch to miss it. But sad to say, so many Christians are asleep at the switch. Well, I'm here to tell you, wake up, wake up. Uh, The Lord's getting ready to come back, and this is just one sign of it. He goes on to tell him, he says, encouraging, rebuking, convincing, be unflagging and inexhaustible in patience and teaching. Then he says, verse 3, for the time is coming. And that was about 2,000 years ago, and I think we're in that time right now. The time is coming when people, talking about Christians, will not tolerate, endure sound and wholesome instruction or doctrine. See, that's what's supposed to be coming across pulpits is doctrine, not just funny stories and that kind of stuff. Nothing wrong with a funny story or a joke once in a while, but the preponderance of what comes across, you know, the bulk of what comes across a pulpit ought to be the teaching of the doctrine of the Word of God. Dear friends, that's one of the reasons the United States is in the problem that is that it is in right now spiritually and actually uh, physically because there has been a, a, a decline in the teaching of doctrine for what I call the banana split message. And you know as well as I do, if you lived on banana splits all the time and that's all you ever ate, your physical body would probably like that. But eventually you'd start growing worms in your stomach, right? And, and when, when spiritually all you're getting is banana splits all the time, you'll be, there'll be spiritual worms growing around on the inside of you in the process of time. You understand? And so, Doctrine, the teaching of the word of God, you know, repentance from dead works, faith toward God, the doctrine of baptisms and, and the laying on of hands and, and resurrection from the dead, eternal judgment. These are the kinds of things that, that you need to have on a regular basis. The teaching of the word of God. And then he says this, he says, the time will come when people will not tolerate or put up with or want to listen to sound and wholesome doctrine, but having ears itching for something pleasing and gratifying. They will gather to themselves one teacher after another to a considerable number chosen to satisfy their own liking and to foster the errors that they hold. And again, that is rampant in the land today. And uh, you have to be asleep at the switch. I'm using that a lot, but I think it's a good phrase to miss to have missed that. That's going on all over the place where you're getting something across pulpits that's pleasing, gratifying. I know there's a lot of good churches out there. I'm not saying that, but the, but the bulk of what I see going on has been a turn to this and, uh, and, and uh, of where it's just one, one banana split message right after the next all the time. And, uh, and what is it? It's a sign that we're living in the last days. 
And then in verse 4, he says, and these people who are seeking out teachers to always tell them what they want to hear will turn aside from hearing the truth and wander off into myths and man-made fictions. Just all a bunch of storytelling and jokes and funny stuff. My, my, my. A sign that we're living in the last days. And then 2 Timothy 3 verse 5. Again, we're talking about the condition of ministers as a sign that we see right before the Lord comes back. The Bible says, 2 Timothy 3, 5, having a form of godliness, but denying its power from such people, turn away, is what the Bible says. So I've given you some signs here. The sign of increased knowledge, the sign of Israel, the sign of the condition of the world, the sign of the church, a, a, a part of the church on fire, and but yet a cooling off and so forth and so on. And now I want you to turn to Matthew, the 24th chapter. And I want to look at some selected verses here. I'm not going to go through the whole chapter, but we're just going to read through and, and, and hit some verses here where, where Jesus gives some signs that we'll see before his return. So in Matthew, the 24th chapter, the first verse, then Jesus went out and departed from the temple. And his disciples came up to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said to them, Do you not see all these things? Assuredly, I say to you, not one stone will be left here upon another, that they shall not all be thrown down. Verse 3, Now as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us, when will these things be? talking about when the temple was going to be destroyed. And looking back at it now, we know that that happened in 70 A.D. And then they went, and then they went on and said, And what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? Now, some uh, versions, I think, might put in the end of the world, but it was the end of the age. But let me say something about the end of the world. You need to realize that this planet Earth is never going to be blown up to bits where it just blows up and ceases to exist. The Bible teaches that that will never happen. Now, I just want to tell you this. The Bible, I think, is pretty clear that at some point on out in time, there is going to be nuclear war on the planet. Now, I don't know that it's going to come out of this war that's going on in Ukraine. I don't know that. Not at all. But but as time goes on, On down the road, the Bible, I think, is very clear that at some point on down the road, there will be nuclear warfare on this planet. But that being said, the Bible uh, teaches that this earth will never be destroyed, you know, where it blows up and ceases to exist. As you study Bible prophecy, you see that at the end of the millennial reign of Christ, uh, and I don't have time to get into all of that today. If you want more on that, go back to uh, our archives where I taught on uh, End Times uh, for Dummies, I think is what it was titled, and, and I go through all of that. But this earth, eventually, at the very end, it's not going to be destroyed and blown up, but it's going to be renovated by the fire of God, and all the sin in it is going to be burned out, and there's going to be what the Bible calls a new heaven and a new earth. New from the standpoint of, think of a renovation. If you have an old house and you uh, you know, you know renovate it, you call it new. It's not a brand new house that you've never had before. It's the old house. It was just renovated. That's what's going to happen here to the earth. It's going to be at some point on, way on out, you know, a thousand years plus down the road is going to be uh, renovated by the fire of God. But the earth is never going to come to an end in that it's going to be blown to smithereens in that way. So I, I think that's worth telling you because a lot of people don't know that. But he, but they said, what will be the sign of your coming? His disciples, Jesus' disciples, ask him and say, what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? Now, as I go through the rest of this this chapter, you need to realize that Jesus, his disciples were Jews, okay? And so this is directed primarily, now th- th- these, these next verses primarily at the Jews and primarily have to do with Jesus' second coming. Now here's something else folks don't realize. There's what is known as the rapture of the church and the second coming of Christ. Now I'm not going to get into a lot of detail on that today, but again, you can go back to my series on end times for dummies and get that. I will say some things about the rapture right here as I close this message in a few moments, but 
you need to realize the next big event that's really on the on the scene for the church is what's known as the rapture of the church. I'll say a few things about that in a moment. And then there's going to be a, a seven-year tribulation period. And then at the end of that seven years is what's known as the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, where he comes back to earth and sets up a 1,000-year known as his millennial kingdom. Okay, So there's really... Uh, when the Lord comes back, there's really two separate events. One is known as the rapture of the church, where he does not set his feet down on the earth, but he catches believers, the church, up to himself to go back to heaven. Then a seven-year tribulation period, and at the end of that seven years, the Lord comes back, sets his feet on the Mount of Olives and all of that, and then sets up a, a, a a 1,000-year reign upon the earth. So when we talk about the second coming of the Lord, and the Bible talks about that. It's primarily making reference to when he comes back and sets his feet down on the Mount of Olives. That is what this is uh, talking about primarily here in the book of, uh, uh, of Matthew 24. And uh, but but the rapture takes place about seven years before that. And and you know what? If these signs here that we're going to read about have to do with his second coming, how much how much even more would they be for us because seven years before he actually comes back in person, there's going to be a, a rapture, a catching up of the church. So these signs apply also not just to Jews, but but we as the members of the church need to, need to pay attention as well. So with that being said, they said, what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? And in verse four, Jesus answered and said to them, take heed that no one deceives you. So there again, you've got much deception going on at the end times, and we see that. And then he says, many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will deceive many. Now you think about that. And uh, you've seen that over the years. There's been many have arisen and said that they were the Messiah and different cults and so on. And then verse 6, you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. Well, we see that certainly going on right now. Uh, and again, as I said, any one of these signs here, you know, you can say, well, that's always been happening over the last 2,000 years here and there, you know. But again, it's the convergence of all of these things I'm talking about happening at the same time, which, which we have, okay? So we're living in the, in the season of the Lord's coming. And, uh, and, and we need to understand the, the times and seasons in which we're in. And, uh, but anyway, he said, uh, uh, verse, uh, six, you'll hear of wars, rumors of wars. See, but then he says this, when you hear of these things, wars and rumors of wars, let me center in on this for a moment. See that you are not troubled. And I want to encourage you today. See that you are not troubled. You see to it. Jesus told you right here in, in the word that you should see to it when you hear of these things, wars and rumors of wars, see that you are not troubled. That's what he said. For all these things must come to pass. And then he said, but the end is not yet. And then he says, verse 7, nation will rise against nation. In the, in the actual Greek language, it reads like this, ethnic group will rise against ethnic group. And my, haven't we seen that? And kingdom against kingdom, there'll be famines, pestilences. Well, we just had a pestilence here on the earth, the COVID. I mean, think how that shook up the entirety of the world. A sign of the end that Jesus is getting ready to come. And uh, earthquakes in various places. And the connotation here, Luke's account of this brings out great earthquakes. And I tell you, you, if you study into this a little bit, you'll see that earthquakes, they seem to be increasing in, in frequency and, and so forth. And, and, and I know growing up watching, watching the news in the evening, seldom you'd see about an earthquake, but over the last, you know, couple decades, you see it. I mean, you turn it on and the earthquake here, earthquake there, earthquake. I mean, it's all a sign that Jesus is getting ready to come back. Verse eight, he says, all these things are just the beginning of sorrow. Think about that. Verse 11, then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. See, there's that deception again. But many false prophets will rise up. And my goodness, do we ever see that? It's everywhere sad to say. And what's really sad to say is you turn on many of your Christian TV channels, they are littered with false prophets. Uh, and it is so sad, but yet it's a sign that, uh, 
that, that Jesus is getting ready to come back. There's, there are some true prophets in the land, but just because somebody calls themselves a prophet doesn't make them a prophet. You need to understand that. And I'm going to say it again. There's a lot of TV, uh, Christian TV channels, some of the uh, largest, biggest, most you know, uh, powerful television channels have some of the squirreliest, I mean, false prophets on there that you would ever want to believe, uh, or <laughs> more than you could even believe it. I mean, it's just unbelievable to me is what I'm trying to say, that you turn on some of these 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 Christian television channels and it, littered, that's the word, littered with false prophets everywhere. It said, now there's some real ones, yes, but they are few and far between. Most of what you see on there is uh, false. Take it from me, sign that Jesus is coming back. But you go on social media, YouTube, it seems like everybody's got a dream. Everybody's got a vision. Everybody's calling themselves a prophet. Be watchful of people when they call themselves a prophet. I'll tell you what, 90, uh, let me put it this way, almost 101 times out of 100, they're not. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, you know, don't, 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 just be careful when people call, start calling themselves a prophet or a prophetess. Be real careful of that. That. I learned this. You don't have to call yourself what you are. You just be what you are and people will recognize it. All right. So that being said, but it's a sign that we're in the end times. And then verse 12, lawlessness will abound. The love of many will grow cold. My goodness. Don't we see that? And then verse 14, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations. And then the end... When I say end, again, not the end of the world blowing up. No, no, the end of the age. And what he's talking about here, the end of the age uh, uh, will come. Okay, the age being, he's talking right here about the end of the tribulation, right before uh, the millennium begins and all of that. But, But what is he saying here? The gospel of the kingdom will be preached as a witness to all nations. And my goodness, don't we see that more so than we ever have with, with, with television and, and media and social media, the gospel being able to reach into places it never was able to reach before. Now, this particular prophecy, I personally don't think the church actually is going to finish this itself, if you study end time prophecy after the church is raptured, then there's a uh, 144,000 Jewish evangelists that are going to rise up and preach the message of the Lord Jesus Christ throughout the earth. I believe to get everywhere that the church wasn't able to get. But that being said, we do see this as a sign and there is, there's a reach of the gospel throughout the land that we've not had, uh, up until the, 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 the present day in which we live. And then verse 32, now learn this parable from the fig tree when its branch has already become tender and puts forth leaves you know that summer is near and so yes you look at the fig tree and Jesus was giving a simple story here he said you know when you see the fig tree blooming you know that summer's near it's just like you know it, it, you get winter leaves and you see the, the the leaves start budding out you know springtime is at hand and summer's right around the corner that's what he was saying here some bible teachers say that when he talks about the fig tree that he's making reference to Israel becoming a nation again and and I do see uh, a, a truth in that certainly but uh, but but simply put he because the fig tree and Scripture does make reference and symbolic of the nation of Israel. But what Jesus was simply saying here is when you see the fig, the fig tree, you know, uh, putting forth its leaves, summer's near. So he's just saying when you see these signs, you realize that his coming is getting close. And that's what I'm trying to get across to you today. Then he says this, verse 33. So you also, when you see all these things... Now, we've talked about it, but I want to say it again. When you see all these things I've talked about here today happening at the same time, know that it is near at, even at the doors. Assuredly, I say to you, this generation, verse 34, this generation will by no means pass away till all these things take place. Now, you think about that statement, Matthew 24, 34, the generation that sees all these signs take place, will not pass off the earth till everything that the Bible has to say about the Lord's second coming and so forth will take place. That generation will not pass. Now, someone would ask me, Pastor Terry, do you think we're that generation? Well, I want to say this. Every generation from the time that Jesus 
was received back up into heaven after his resurrection, every generation has thought that they were the ones, that they, that, that they would be the generation that would see the return of the Lord. You see, the disciples, <laughs> you know, they saw him go up to a cloud, take him back up to heaven. And, and if you read the Bible, they thought they were going to be the generation that would see his return. Now, 2,000 years has come and gone. And again, you know, to us, that's a long time. To the Lord, he's only been gone for two days, you know, because he sees time differently than we do. But nonetheless, every generation thinks that they're the one that's going to see the return of the Lord. Now, of course, we are closer than we've ever been. Now, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to understand that. We're a lot closer today than they were 2,000 years ago to the Lord's return. But, dear friends, with all these signs going on at, at the same time, and he said the generation that sees it wouldn't pass off the earth, uh, in the Bible, I think a generation is about 80 years of time. So, you know, I mean, just just my opinion. And again, opinions are like noses. You know, just about everybody has one. I, I would say comfortably, I would think within the next within the next within the next 50 to 100 years, I could see the Lord coming back. But I could also see him coming back before you finish listening to this message, because all the signs that are needed to be fulfilled for him to come back have been fulfilled. Really, they have. And, uh, 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 you know, at least for the rapture of the church to take place. And so so when I say 50 to 100 years, don't say, oh, well, we got a lot of time. No, I mean, all these things are t- have taken place, these signs, and, and, and the Lord could come at any moment. And you need to realize that. So do this. What I've told people for years, I heard a good minister say this years ago. What you do is you plan your life as though the Lord's not going to come back in your lifetime, but live as though he was going to come come back within the next 10 seconds because he could come back within the next 10 seconds. So I think that's good advice to live by. Now let's go on with chapter 24 here before I conclude. Verse 36, he said, Jesus said to his disciples, but of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my father only. So don't ever predict an exact time or day when the Lord's going to come back because only the heavenly father knows that. So you want to shy away from ministries that are, are, that are, you know, pinpointing and picking a certain day or time when he comes back because those people, they, they, they just don't know what they're talking about. Okay. So we cannot know the day or the hour, but, 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 but we can know the season and dear friends, I believe from what I've said to you today that we are in the season for him to come back. Absolutely. And then he says in verse 37, but as the days of Noah were, also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days of uh, Noah, you know, before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and did not know until the flood came and took them all away. So also will the coming of the Son of Man be. The Son of Man, of course, is Jesus. And so what do we know about the days of Noah? Simply put, the Bible says they, their thoughts were evil continually. And we see that is absolutely going on in the world in which we live. Lines up with the things I said earlier about the apostasia and the falling away and all of that. And Jesus said that it would be as in the days of Noah. And uh, and, and you think about it, <laughs> think about it. Uh, uh, a, 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 a generation that was evil, thoughts evil continually, and there was all there. How many preachers of righteousness were there in the days of Noah? Well, there's just one, is Noah, right? That's what the Bible says, you know. So I mean, we see few preachers of righteousness. They're they're out there. They're few and far between, and we see a evil and adulterous. Uh, generation, my, my, my. And so we're living in, I think it's pretty clear to see that we're living in the days of Noah. And then, uh, now notice, now hang on every word here. Now, now, now listen to this. Then verse 40. Now, uh, we're going to conclude this by me saying just a few brief things about the rapture of the church. A lot of folks don't even know what that is, but the rapture of the church. And verses uh, 40 and 41 I think could be making reference to the rapture of the church. Now I know that in, in chapter 24, Jesus really wasn't speaking to the, the church. Uh, 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 what I mean by that, see, see, uh, uh, his disciples were Jewish. And, and as you study the Bible, they, they wouldn't have been able to accept him saying things about a church, which is basically made up primarily of Gentiles. So Jesus, 
was it, like I said, in chapter 24 was, was speaking primarily to the Jews, but, uh, but, but yet certainly if it's true for the Jews, it's certainly true for us because what's going to happen to us in the rapture takes seven, takes place seven years before the second coming of Christ. So, so what I'm trying to get at here is verses 40 and 41. Well, uh, Bible scholars will say, well, no, the Lord wasn't speaking of the rapture of the church and they'll cite some other things. And there's some truth in, 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 in that. But I also think there's a big truth in that you can see the rapture of the church in these next two verses, verses 40 and 41. Then two men, now watch this, he says, then two men will be in the field. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding at the mill, one taken and the other left. Now you think about that. You think about that. I mean, I mean, if he's not talking specifically about the rapture, it sure describes what we're going to see at the rapture when you've got two, two men will stand in the field and the believer in the Lord Jesus Christ is caught up to heaven and the other one's left. You got two women grinding at the mill and the believer in the Lord Jesus Christ is taken up to heaven and the other one's left. Anyway, then verse 42 says, watch therefore, so that's something we need to be watching for the Lord's coming, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. So we don't know the exact day or the hour, but we can know the season. We're in the season. And let me just say this. What lay ahead? What's the next thing that lay ahead? I mentioned it earlier. I want to say it again. It's the rapture of the church. And verses 40 and 41 here certainly do describe that. And, uh, uh, where two men grinding, or two men in the field, one taking the other left, two women grinding at the mill, one taking the other left. Uh, go if you would with me to 1 Thessalonians, the fourth chapter, because the church age ends with the rapture of the church. If you went to Revelation chapter 3, you see that church, the Laodiceans, the last church mentioned, the lukewarm church, the church that was was looking for just hyper-prosperity and all of that. And then right after that, in chapter 4, verse 1, John sees a door standing open in heaven, hears a voice saying, come up, you know, come up, and he was caught up to heaven. And, uh, and, and John there is a type of the church being caught up to heaven. And, uh, it's interesting in Revelation 4.1, you see the church, John is a type of the church. He's caught up to heaven. And then you don't see the earth mentioned again in the book of Revelation until the very end when, when, when the church comes back. When I say church, I'm talking about believers in the Lord Jesus Christ comes back with the Lord during the tribulation period. The Lord's dealing with the nation of Israel and the Jews. But, but, uh, so you got the church age ends in Revelation 3 at the very end of that chapter. Revelation 4.1, John is a type of the church, is caught up to heaven. The Bible says he was in the spirit. Uh, uh, he was there in on the Isle of Patmos. He was persecuted for the word of God and the testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ. He was in the spirit on the Lord's day. He heard, he, 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 he heard a sound uh, behind him. It was the Lord talking to him. Next thing you know, he was caught up into heaven. Glory to God. And then you see some heavenly events there in the book of Revelation, but the church isn't mentioned again until the end of the book of Revelation coming back with the Lord on the white horses and all of that. But anyway, I get excited when I talk about this. But but the next event that lay out in front of us is, is the rapture of the church. And literally, there'll be two people standing side by side. One's a believer in the Lord, the other is not. And faster than I can snap my finger, blink my eye, the one is gone, the other's left. The unbeliever's left, the believer's gone. It's the rapture of the church. And notice it's described, and I'll close right here, it's described in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, 1 Thessalonians 4.13, but, and then the Apostle Paul, he's writing by the Holy Ghost, he's writing to the church in Thessalonica, and it describes this event of the rapture of the church. But I do not want you to be ignorant are unlearned, and I don't want you to be unlearned, so that's why I'm covering this. Brethren, talking to believers, concerning those who have fallen asleep, we could say it this way, those who have already died, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, that's believing the gospel. Do you believe the gospel? Well, he said, if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring uh, with him, those who have already, who sleep in Jesus or who uh, have already died. See, when a believer in Jesus dies, their body is buried, but their spirit goes up into heaven to be with the Lord. For a believer to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. You understand that? And so he says at this, at this event known as the rapture, 
Now, the word rapture itself is not in the Bible. The word rapture, did you know the word Trinity is not in the Bible, but the Trinity exists, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit? The word rapture is not in the Bible, but the event is. And it was given the name rapture. It means to be caught up in all of that. But notice, if we believe, verse 14, that Jesus died and rose again, I believe that, even so God will bring with him those who have already died in Jesus. So again, anyone who's ever died from the time of Adam and Eve on down to the time that this takes place, their spirit has has left their body, gone to heaven to be with the Lord Jesus, you see. And, and, and at the rapture of the church, he's going to bring their spirits back with him. Now, this is an event that takes place about seven years before the second coming of the Lord. The Lord does not set his feet on the earth here. He comes in the air, in the atmosphere above the earth. He comes himself. We'll see that. But notice right here, For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep or those who have already died. Now watch this. For the Lord himself, he's not going to send an angel to do this. No, no, no. Himself will descend from heaven with a shout. Whew, what a shout that's going to be. With the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Everybody from the time of Adam and Eve all the way down to when this takes place, who's ever died, he, he says the dead in Christ will rise first. I like that. The dead in Christ will rise first. So he's going to bring their spirits who are in heaven. He's going to bring their spirits back with him. Their bodies are going to uh, uh, arise, resurrection. Their bodies are going to be reunited with their spirits. Okay? Spirit and body is going to be their spirit's going to go back into the resurrected, glorified body. What? I mean, it'd be something to be standing next to. I used to say, be something to be standing next to a graveyard when that happened to see that. But I tell you what, it's going to happen so fast. It's going to happen so fast. Boom. It's good. Before I could, quicker than I can snap my finger, this is going to take place. The Lord's going to descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ, they're going to rise with a glorified body. Their spirits are going to go back in their bodies and go back to heaven to be with the Lord. You understand they're going to go back where they've been since they died, only now they're going to have their glorified body. And then we, we, you know people argue about the end times, they argue about the rapture, they argue about this, argue about that, when's the rapture going to take place, who's going to go, I'll tell you who's going to go in the rapture, those who are in Christ. How do you get in Christ? Repent of your sins and receive Him as your Savior. It's that simple. But people argue about this, that, and that. Do you know on the end times, I'll tell you this, we can disagree about different aspects of the end times and still be brothers in the Lord, you know, and, and get along just fine. What you, what we, you know, what I'm saying is, you know, you, people disagree about the end time events all the time. And, 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 and you know what? <laughs> Where we have to agree is on who Jesus is and to get in Christ you have to repent of your sins and receive Jesus. And that's how you get in Christ. Well, I'm all stirred up here. But let's get verse 16 again. For the Lord, Let's don't argue about end time events. I mean, different Bible teachers see end time events a little bit differently. And it's, it's not the end of the world. I mean, the big thing is, is Jesus is coming again. Absolutely, he is. And, uh, you know, but we do have to agree on certain things. And we do have to agree on who Jesus is. He's a virgin born son of the living God. You understand that he died on the cross, was buried, rose again, and he's coming again. My goodness. And the thing is, are you ready to meet him? So here, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet of God, the dead in Christ will rise first. Okay, but then what about us? What about if we're still alive? What if we're still alive? Then we, and I believe he's talking about we in Christ. He just talked about the dead in Christ. So we who are alive in Christ, still living on the earth, you who are alive and remain shall be caught up. Oh, I like that. Caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus shall we always be with the Lord. What an event that's going to be. I mean, it's such a, a bizarre thing. I tell you what, if it wasn't written so clearly in the Bible, I'd have trouble believing it. But it is in the Bible. It's an event that's going to take place. And I believe it because the Bible said it. What a time that's going to be. If you're alive at the time when the Lord comes back, your body is going to be, I mean, it's going to be changed. Here, well, look, 1 Corinthians 15.50, 1 Corinthians 15.50, what's going to happen to you if you're alive when the Lord comes back? 
Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. See, your body couldn't take the, your physical body couldn't take the kingdom of God, heaven. I mean, it's a place of glory. I mean, your body couldn't take it. It'd be consumed. Your body's going to have to be changed before you get to go up to heaven, you see. Now, now your spirit's already been changed. When If you've received Jesus, you're a new man in Christ. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. You're new in the Lord, in your spirit. Your spirit is, if you're born again, your spirit is ready for heaven, but your physical body's not. It's going to have to be changed first. And right here, 1 Corinthians 15, 50, says, brethren, flesh and blood can't inherit the kingdom of God. And then he goes on in verse 51, I tell you a mystery, we shall not all sleep. Let me say it this way. We shall not all die. There's going to be a group of people that's exempted from physical death. I hope I'm in that group. I tell you, I've said this for years. I would love to cheat the undertaker. I don't, I don't like to think about my body laying there in a casket. I hope I'm one of those that, that gets in on this and we get, and we get to cheat the undertaker. You know what I mean by that? And we shall not all die, but we'll all be changed in a moment. That's an atomic second faster than you can snap your finger or bat your eye in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible and will be changed glory to God in and we'll get that same kind of glorified body that Jesus got when he was raised from the dead and let me read this from first Thessalonians again 416 the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout with the voice of the archangel with the trumpet of God the dead in Christ will rise first. He brings their spirits back with them from heaven. Their bodies are blasted out of the grave. They're reunited with their spirits. Then we who are alive and remain will be changed in a moment in a twinkling of an eye and we'll be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. That's known as the rapture of the church and that's the next great event that lay on the scene for the church. And I tell you, yeah, but but, I heard the Holy Ghost say there's some persecution for the church too. There's some persecution for the church too. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Absolutely. So we're not exempted from that. There's some persecution for the church to suffer. I'm convinced of it. Absolutely. Absolutely. But let's keep our eyes on the Lord and let's uh, uh, remain steadfast. And I tell you what, the day will come. All these signs are in place. Glory to God. And we're living in that season and the Lord's going to come back and he's going to catch us up out of here. But I tell you what, I do believe there's some heavy persecution for the church before that great day of the rapture takes place. But the Lord will get us out of here, I believe, before the worst of the persecution come and before that tribulation period begins. Praise God for it. And then 1 Thessalonians 4.18, I like this. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. So I hope, you know, for those who know the Lord, there's great comfort. But for those who don't know the Lord, there's no comfort that I have to offer. So, uh, uh, so, so you need to be sure that you know the Lord. You need to be sure that you know the Lord. You know, before I, before I close here, I want to say this. The Lord Jesus himself said in Luke 21, 28, and it's Luke's account of Matthew 24. And he said, when these things begin to happen, now he went on there and gave some signs and some things there that happened near the end of the tribulation, which I'll not get into, but, but I like what he said here. He said, when these things, when you see these signs begin to happen, He said, look up and lift up your head because your redemption draws near. Jesus is our redemption and he's drawing near. So we need to look up and lift up our eyes. And the Bible commands us to be watchful because the Lord, be looking for the Lord because he's coming back. So I want to ask you today, do you know the Lord? If you do know the Lord, if you are born again, there, yeah, there's going to be some times of persecution, but there's much comfort that, that uh, we have to offer you. Because the Bible says that a rapture is going to take place and, and, and we're going to get to be with the Lord and that there's much to be comforted. But if you don't know the Lord, if you don't know the Lord, there's no comfort I have to offer, as I've already said. Because you see, if you don't know the Lord and you die without the Lord, the Bible says your spirit's going to leave your body and descend into a place called hell to suffer there for eternity. And you're going to, you're not going to ever make heaven. 
And it, it's, it's just, it's, it's, it's a bad thing. And if you're alive on the earth when the Lord comes back in the rapture and you're not born again, you're not going to go. You got to be in Christ to go. And so I want to invite you today to get in Christ. Get in Christ and get in Him as quick as you can. And you say, Pastor Terry, how do you do that? Well, I've already told you, but I'm going to tell you again. Repetition's the seed of learning. Get in Christ. How do you do it? Repent of your sins. Repent means to turn. Turn from the old lifestyle. And then receive Jesus. The Bible says, as many as received Him to them, gave He power to become children of God. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So call on the name of the Lord Jesus with a repentant heart and mean it. Say, Jesus, come into my heart and mean it and he'll come into your heart bless God you'll miss hell you'll make heaven if the you know if the if the rapture doesn't take place in your lifetime and if the rapture does take place in your lifetime then when he comes back bless God you'll be changed in that moment in a twinkling of an eye and you'll be caught up to meet the Lord in there who won't that be wonderful I tell you what if you're born again you're a winner either way whether you go by the way of the grave or way of the rapture glory to God well I preach myself happy I my wife she's back behind the camera i've even preached her happy don't don't start dancing diane no no that's all right if you want to start we get excited <laughs> you start dancing in the spirit no i'm just joking with her but she's got a big smile on her face i tell you what it's a i tell you what i mean i'm excited to be in christ glory to god i tell you what signs are coming jesus is coming the signs are <laughs> Let me get this straight. The signs are already here and Jesus is coming. So be ready and lift up your eyes, lift up your heads because our redemption draws nigh. Well, I'm going to unhook right here. I get, I get to go and I just don't ever want to unhook. Hey, I hope you had as much fun listening to this as I had preaching it. God bless you and I'll see you next week with another relevant message for the time in which we live. God bless you. Bye bye.